Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Globally, we are going through an unprecedented time. So we wanted to step back and share some of the inspiring things that people are doing within their communities. Today, we have one such story about a Hawaiian non-profit that has dual goals, building and protecting their culture and innovative history while preparing their residents for the next generation of jobs. Wherever you are in the world, stay safe, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, this is Blaine Colone, Alliance's Director for Heroku. Uh, thank you for joining today's podcast. I'm pleased to uh, be joined by David Pickett, as well as Jennifer Hooper, to talk about this particular topic around the challenges of enabling a new generation with technology and Hawaiian cultural values. Very excited about the opportunity to talk with, with David and Jennifer. David, would you mind uh, doing a quick introduction? Sure. I'm David Pickett. Uh, I'm a lead instructor with uh, Purple Maya Foundation. Um, I also write a lot of the educational software that we use at Purple Maya. Uh, my background is in software development. Um, I went to school for computer science and uh, worked at Microsoft for a few years. Um, I developed a, a love of traveling, uh, and so I was traveling and working remotely. And I always liked the idea of education. So um, when I settled down in Maui, uh, Hawaii, I got connected with Purple Maya, and there was an opportunity to start teaching middle school students um, kind of the fundamentals of computer science. And um, that's how I kind of got involved and got started. Jennifer, how about yourself? Sure. So my name's Jennifer Hooper. Um, I have been working at Salesforce and Heroku for um, the last few years. I run the Codish podcast in the background. Um, it is something I truly love to do. Um, the reason that I'm actually joining this episode is that I have been volunteering um, with Humana, this group, for the last couple of years, and I feel very passionately about what they're trying to do. So I just wanted to join to add a little bit of color context. Um, so who wants to actually kick things off about uh, you know, how we all got involved in, in Purple Maya and, and what we're going to be talking about today? Oh, you know, that reminds me, Blaine, uh, in your introduction, did you mention that you're on the Purple Maya board? <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a, a longtime uh, Salesforce employee, as well as a, a recent couple year uh, alliances manager for, for Heroku. Um, I got involved with Purple Maya as a board member um, because I felt passionate about the idea of bringing technology uh, skill sets to the Native Hawaiian community uh, through uh, child programs as well as adult programs through Purple Maya, but that's why I'm here. Um, so at least from from my perspective, kind of the the way I've I've been I've learned kind of the the history of the company. You know, the the founding team felt like there was this kind of this question of um, why why aren't there more tech startups in Hawaii? Why aren't we seeing more kids growing up in Hawaii, like launching their own companies, you know, working for, for big tech companies. And, and additionally, why does it seem like tech education has to be so separated from cultural education? So here in Hawaii, there's, there's such, a, such a rich history of, of innovation and technological development in ancient Hawaiian texts, in, in modern Hawaiian, you know, practices. So how, as an organization, how can we bring those two things together, the, the love of culture, promotion of culture, 
exploration of culture as well as exploration of technology, using technology for cultural reasons, sustain, sustainable reasons, um, economic reasons. And I guess with that in mind, how do we get started with students early, right? Um, some of our programs are start as early as elementary. You know, most of our focus is on middle school. We do have high school programs. We do have more college level programs, post-grad programs. But a lot of it, it, it's, it's that mixture, right? It's that mixture of culture, that mixture of technology, that mixture of entrepreneurship. You know, the thing that attracted me to volunteering here is that I just love the mission. The fact that, you know, you have a group of people who are so passionate about their culture and about what they're doing and trying to enable the next generations to not only keep that culture alive, but to also, you know, bring new technology and more skills that aren't necessarily the natural things that get taught in school um, so that you're able to keep um, sustaining things for your future. You know, to me, that's just so inspirational and, you know, something that I'm, you know, bring passionate about is bringing new technology and new thoughts and new ways of doing things to education. And so I just love the mission. And that's really what attracted me. So it, it's funny, Purple Maya came about, or at least with uh, one of the co-founders I, I grew up with, we went to college together, and we had this idea of empowering the Native Hawaiian community with skills and technology, right? And so it it lent itself back to even my own personal experiences. You know, I've been in in the technology industry for the last 20 years, but prior to that, from a education perspective, there was very little exposure that I got, at least in my generation of education back then, whether it was, you know, middle school to high school to high school to college. You know, there wasn't a lot of programs out there at the time that exposed uh, local kids uh, in Hawaii, uh, let alone native Hawaiian kids, to technology. Everything from coding applications to, you know, uh, basic productivity apps. Um, that was really kind of early on in at, in my time of education. But coming out of that, and then also now getting into the into the industry itself and really climbing my career over the last twenty years, I really wanted to get behind the idea of contributing to a program that would make it easier for native children to learn about these types of skills uh, for a variety of different reasons. Uh, first and foremost, culturally, there's a lot done in our culture that is uh, predicated upon like our uh, use of, of you know, sciences and uh, things like, for example, in our native Hawaiian uh, navigation in our, in our migration across the Pacific Ocean, right? We, we learned astrology and the study of stars uh, to help us migrate our way across the planet, basically. And, and so there's a lot of synergies to the idea of us utilizing technology uh, as part of our culture. And some of that maybe um, had slipped a little bit. And so I, I saw this as, as a cultural uh, connection. Then I also saw this as, as an economic situation that would help Native children, Native families actually thrive in the islands, um, you know, based on, unfortunately, you know, demographics in the islands, Native Hawaiians tend to be on the lower echelon of the spectrum. Uh, and so, I, I, again, I saw technology as a way to better provide these skill sets, uh, especially in a global marketplace, be able to compete uh, take those skill sets that are globally exposed and even bring them back into 
ploy, right, uh, and allow these uh, these people to perpetuate their culture, but also in a sustainable way um, economically. Well, and, and, you know, there's the idea of kind of brain drain, right? Like, yep. And that's kind of where the, the entrepreneurship and kind of remote work skills come in too, right? Where it's like, so even if, you know, somebody was growing up here in Hawaii, and even if they did get, you know, great coding or design or whatever skills, you know, I, I've heard from my students, you know, I've heard from, from people that, you know, friends here, like they feel like they're, they're forced to move away, right. To get a job, like they want to go work for some big tech company or even small tech company. They got to, you know, move to the West coast or something. So yeah, I certainly did. Yeah. So (laughs) like this, I, you know, I think, I think there's a, um, you know, Hawaii being so remote, right. I I think, I think there's an opportunity to, to change mindsets, right. I I think there's a, you know, we, we can start remote companies here. We can, you know, help people learn about the opportunities of remote work here. We can build up the skill sets, right. Absolutely. I mean, I think it also ultimately boils down to information access and exposure, right. Like one of the things I decided to get involved in with Purple Maya was actively helping bridge the gap between industry leaders like Salesforce and Purple Maya to contribute, to provide, you know, opportunity to volunteer, to get involved, to expose these kids to individuals like Jennifer, for example, and and learning about what they do, right? The art of the possible. I mean, when you kind of look at the evolution of tech, especially in maybe in the last 10 years, right? There's, there's really no reason why, you can't have a growing tech hub out of Bozeman, Montana or Boulder, Colorado or some of these other smaller towns, you know, that have now technology sectors that are starting to thrive. There's no reason why you can't have the same thing happen in the islands, right? And that's kind of the end goal of why I got involved Um, and really trying to, again, get Salesforce more involved in, and helping you know our larger what we call Ohana or family. You know, the the organization has a has a lot of initiatives, but but really, like I was saying, kind of the the main focus is on middle school age students um, in classrooms. And you know, some of our programs, a lot of our programs, I should say, are either after school or on the weekend. We we work with you know partners at at different locations. Maybe you know some, for example, Boys and Girls Club or. Uh, school charter some charter schools um, we're lucky enough that we have a couple locations where we can be there during the school day um, so for example like either we are sharing part of an elective with a host teacher or um, in some cases like for my classes here on Maui um, the school contracts Purple Maya to be there as an elective so they before us they didn't have any coding class at school and so now us as Purple Maya teachers can go in and offer that as an elective during the school day, um, which I which I think is is a great opportunity for the for the students. So, you know, there's a lot of challenges, pros and cons to things like after school programs or in school programs. But um, I feel I feel lucky that we can be there during the school day and um, be a full class, right, to to teach coding and computer science fundamentals and um, you know user experience design and graphics design and things like that. You know, part of part of the the question in the organization is, you know, what what's our educational philosophy? How do we want to teach? And kind of what's what's the tooling to get there? So, for myself personally, um, when I first started teaching for Purple Maya, um, we were in a very small classroom setting. I, I think in in that case, you know, like I said, it was like four years ago or so. It was like six or seven students, so really small class. 
we had, I was there in person. We had one other Purple Maya teacher um, assisting remotely. Um, so we had a great, you know, teacher to student ratio. The students were a mix of age range, which I, th- which I think was, was kind of a cool thing, kind of not something you'd normally get in a regular classroom. We had some middle school students, some high school students, and they all knew each other like pretty well. Um, it was kind of a, non- it was a non-traditional school. I guess the, the school system turns it kind of the at-risk population. Um, but they all knew each other really well, and they were really open to the idea of trying coding and trying something new. We had we had great success um, at that location, and um, you know, the students really poured their creativity into their projects. Um, you know, we we always kind of looked for what each individual student was passionate about in order to pursue, and that worked really well. So for for me, then the next year I went into um, a much bigger classroom. Uh, I think that that next year was like twenty ish students, and I was the only coding teacher there. Um, and in that year, the organization and, and that particular partner location we were working with, it was a different different school location. It was a lot stricter on what our curriculum uh, needed to be, what skill sets the, the students were expected to practice and come away from. So it was really interesting to look at the, 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 the comparison of kind of those two pretty different settings. You know, I, I was there and, and we were, we were using a lot of the, you know, same skill sets of things like, um, you know, this is the basics of syntax, or this is the basics of variables or loops, or, you know, this is how you would, these are the elements of HTML you would use and, and, and CSS for, for a basic web page. But the student outcomes, the, 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 the student engagement, the, the projects, the creativity we saw going in um, was very different. So, what we wanted to do as Purple Maya educators was different, was a different style of education. We, we wanted student choice. We wanted personalized learning. You know, we wanted student-centered design. We wanted project-based education. Um, and we wondered if this educational philosophy you know, can work so well um, in some cases, kind of why aren't other teachers doing it or why aren't other classrooms doing it? You know that that kind of led us down this path of of exploring learning management systems, student management systems. What are classroom tools? What you know? How can software help teachers? Um, I guess be more efficient with their time, while at the same time providing a richer experience for students. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, Jennifer, you you got to come out to Hawaii. This is. This is several months ago, right? With your with your mm-hmm. team to, to be in a classroom. What what did you what your experience with the classroom? You know, I have to say I was really excited because I had been um, about going out there and actually seeing the students because I had been helping out a little bit. I don't want to oversell how much work I've been able to contribute, <laughs> but um, I was able. I was helping out in the back end, so I was seeing some of the applications you were creating, some of the code that you were, um, you know, the ways that you were teaching the students code and you know, and intermixing some of that with some of the, um, you know, Hawaiian pieces. And I just loved what I was seeing. So we had an offsite um, where we went to Hawaii and there was a volunteer activity. One of the things Salesforce is really big on is um, enabling volunteerism, which is, you know, one of the um, best things in my opinion about the, there's great things about the company, lots of them, but this is one of my favorite things. And so we had a half day of volunteering where, a number of folks on my team and my extended team um, actually went there and we got to work with students. And I have to tell you, I was so impressed with how humble these students were, but the level of questions that they were asking and the depth of knowledge that they wanted to learn and what they already knew, 
I was really impressed. And so I just came away from that with just such a wonderful feeling of um, hope for where this whole program um, is going and the value that it's bringing to the students. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, like I said, we, we think about what's our educational philosophy and we're always kind of, you know, experimenting with, with new, with, with different ways of running classes or, you know, validating that what we think works, works. And um, when, uh, you know, when we were first thinking about kind of how, how should, what kind of classroom tools should we build or what, you know, what kind of classroom tools do we need? I think um, in that first first kind of year of thinking about that, um, maybe our, our version zero of, of kind of our, our classroom tools, we were trying out things like Google Classroom, you know, very, very popular, widely used tools. We, we tried out um, Seesaw over the years. Uh, there's a few other um, kind of learning platforms that we tried, but it didn't quite match, I guess, the way our teachers wanted to run things. You know, it's, it's like, it, it seemed, it, a lot of them seemed pretty teacher centered or teacher led. Um, and that has advantages for sure. But pros and cons, different, different classroom environments, different, different personalities of students and teachers, you know, but, but what we wanted was a, I guess a more flexible tool in, in a, in a classroom where it made sense, you know, to, to pretty much put the students in charge of, of the learning path. Um, and so, so we called our, our tool that we started working on, I, I think we, uh, we started building our, our version one in, I want to say 2017. Um, and we called it Haumana.io. So in, in Hawaiian, Haumana is student. It, we wanted it very personalizable, both for students and for teachers. Um, you know, we wanted it to be a tool we could use for students to kind of, you know, learn through their passion, learn, learn through what they're motivated about. You know, part, part of what we do with Purple Maya is we, we explain to students that, that in making an app or making a game, there's a ton of skill sets, right? It's not all just hardcore programming. There's artists and writers and testers and marketers and all of that. And we, we try to let students practice skills in a variety of areas and and focus on on skills that they find most exciting most interesting and so that was just really hard to do in in existing tools at least that we were that we were trying so that very first version and you know it's always in any organization in any kind of project you always you know have to think about kind of resources right so at that point you know a few several years ago um i think i was uh i was running my own company as like a software consultant but i was also teaching part-time for purple maya and uh you know i i started working with a we had an outsource team that came in and built our our mvp uh for for haumana and um you know at, at kind of every stage every version we're always looking at this you know that kind of classic question of of buy versus build right like what are some off the shelf tools we can use what can we customize what can we add on um you know do we approach it kind of like you know services like you know, this app will provide this part of our overall piece, or you know, this other part will will do this way. Um, but but you know, really, we were trying to we were trying to make the experience richer for students. We were trying to make the the classroom environment more sustainable for teachers, because um, you know, a lot of times, like I said, we'll go into a school, we're going to a location, and um, our principal or our coordinator, or whatever, says, "Okay, this is a elective, so 
you know, here's 20 or 30 kids. And we say, whoa, our, in our, in our style, you know, things work best with, if you have a class size of five or, or 10 and, you know, it's just figuring out a ways we can use tools to provide that, that rich experience for a larger group of students and help them with things like project management, help them with learning the skills of self-directed learning um, just really benefits everyone from the, the student side to the teacher side, to the admin side, to our partners. So, how, you know, David, you mentioned connecting with Jennifer, but, um, and not to lead the witness here, but <laughs> how did, how did Jennifer, how did you end up getting connected with, with David, at least at this stage, particular stage? Well, actually, it was your, it was your fault, Blaine. <laughs> you, sent out, <laughs> you sent out a uh, message asking for people who um, were interested in volunteering and you suggested, you know, types of volunteering work. And, you know, as I said earlier, I really love what um, Purple Maya is doing. And so I said, sure, I'd be happy to get involved. And so I've been working with David on a variety of things. Um, most of what I do is just, you know, like weekly check-ins, see, you know, how things are progressing, um, you know, provide any thoughts that I might have. Um, I've played with a bunch of the code, so that's been fun, feeling like I'm a student um, learning to code again. Nice. Uh, so, yeah, so it's been um, a lot of fun. I've also done some volunteering um, with some of the students in the classroom remotely. Like I've, um, myself and someone on my team named David have um listened in on some of the presentations that the students have done right. um, as they're pulling together things and they show their apps and they talk about why they created what they created. And um, so that was a not only a huge amount of fun, but also really impressive to see the quality and thought of work that went on um, and into these projects that the students did. And then I've done things like, you know, talk about LinkedIn and, you know, be available. So I just feel like I don't do that much. I wish I could do more, but I, I really feel love what I time I am able to um, spend and how I do contribute a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty awesome. What, what I would say is like, help can take place in basically two ways, right? It's either time from Jennifer herself, or more Jennifer's, which part of my involvement has been trying to find more people willing to spend time to, you know, give back to the community, get involved with this particular community. Um, I know it started out, at least for me, was just, again, providing the kids perspective on, okay, you're, you're learning these particular skills in developing applications or gaming, you know, tools, but here's where your skills can go tomorrow as if you continue down this path today, right? And um, there was a point where I was running um, alongside these courses kind of volunteers would spend time speaking to a day in the life of their work in in tech right and this is where we you know i reached out to other salesforce employees saying hey if you're interested in just spending a little bit of time with these kids um, to give them some perspective about your career that would be awesome one it it tells them the it gives them the art of the possible and two it it lets them know like okay even if by chance you're struggling here with developing, uh, there are skills that you are still taking away from um, going through instructions with David and, and the rest of the Purple Maya uh, you know, teaching staff. But also there's other roles uh, within the technology industry that you could potentially explore uh, and utilize, right? And it's still the, 
hey, we don't want you to give up on in the event you don't feel that this might be the best opportunity for you. But here's some people that have been, you know, maybe not so tech centric, uh, but still in technology, right? But uh, the general idea is a, a lot of people within Salesforce took an interest in saying, hey, we'd love the opportunity to help Purple Maya. We'd love to talk with uh, the instructors and see how we can uh, assist uh, in different, you know, curriculum, everything from curriculum to actual coding, you know, and, and really getting their hands dirty in administrative work to uh, co-teaching alongside, right? So it's it's been a pretty amazing experience in that sense. Um, and now it's just a matter of, you know, as I said before, trying to continue down that path of finding more Jennifers <laughs> to, to uh, get involved. So, you know, I just wanted to jump in and, and say, you know, I, I think Jennifer is, you know, kind of un, under underselling uh, or her, her uh, you know, kind of in, involvement with, with the Helmana project and kind of her, her value to the Helmana project. So, I, you know, we, we, we set aside time to, to chat every week. And, um, you know, for, for me kind of being all of the project manager, project developer, you know, whatever um, on Helmana, you know, having having that time set aside once a week to kind of say, well, this is what we actually got done in the last week. This is what we're hoping to do in the next week. And you know, what do you think? Or you know, what do you think about this? Or you know, what do you, what what's your perspective on this? It's, it's just it's hugely helpful. Um, Jennifer has brought a lot of really great insights into um, you know things like, oh, you know, we we heard from students that we should build this such and such feature. We built such and such feature. They're using it, and then Jennifer said, "Okay, so how are you tracking feedback?" I mean, and that's it's always such a good reminder that yes, we should always be collecting feedback, and yes, we should have a system for you know someone you know keeping track of that, and 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 has been really useful. So, David, when you're you know when you you've gone through this exercise of of developing Halmana, bringing it out to to market for the students, and obviously this it's it's also interesting because given the state of affairs. Uh, with this global pandemic, it almost seems that so, a solution, well, everyone seems to be trying to find tools to utilize for distance learning uh, as we, you know, are all, you know, under the shelter in place or uh, under certain restrictions for safety and health purposes, but, you know, all still trying to operate in our normal daily lives from a education standpoint with students. But, what would you say um, is has been kind of the biggest um, successes that you've had with Halmana to, so far, and where do you see that kind of going uh, from that point? Well, yeah, you know, I I, I think that's a very relevant uh, tool set <laughs> for these days, um, for sure. So I, I I don't know if the the listeners will will know what date we're recording this. This is April first, um, and and so yeah, in, in Maui at least we've been uh, we've been under stay at home orders for I think two weeks now, something like that. And I know other parts of the, the country and the world are, are, are in um, similar things. Um, so for the, for the history of the project, you know, it's, it's interesting. When I, when I was first teaching my first class with Purple Maya and, and, and or second class and thinking about what, what should Halmana be, you know, in my mind at first I was thinking, well, you know, uh, the ideal thing is, is our own kind of like massive online course software, right? I, I had the idea in my head that like, well, we just need, we just need our own type or our, our, our customizable, personalizable way of something like, I don't know, Udacity or Udemy. 
but I, but I changed my mind, basically. As we talked to teachers, as, as we developed the tools and talked to students, I kind of went more in the, in the other direction of, well, no, what, what we really need is more tooling to help in-person classes, kind of, or, or at least hybrid classes where, where maybe some of the class is remote and some of the class is in-person. And now, given the um, stay-at-home or the shelter-in-place orders, the stay-at-home orders, given the fact that at least here in Hawaii State, um, all of our students are, are off from public school. Some of the private schools are, are doing distance learning. Um, all of Purple Maya classes are now online only. You know, I've, I've kind of, what, what we're going for is, is a tool set that's customizable, that's personalizable, but, but yeah, supports this idea of the Purple Maya way of education in either distance learning situations or in person. Um, and, and to the question of what are the, what are the successes? So as you might imagine, uh, with this very, you know, relatively, at least in the case of Hawaii, abrupt decision to um, move everything to distance learning, move everything to, to stay at home, um, we've been getting a lot more, um, a, a lot of a lot of good data, a lot of good testing on our on our distance learning systems, on our Helmana systems. So um, we launched a online only class uh, last week, last Tuesday. Um, and we are using our Helmana systems plus um, Zoom live video to deliver the entire class. So, um, you know, we're, we're meeting with students live, we're recording the, um, the kind of lecture video, and then we're having students um, solve challenges and kind of they can, they can work through material in a self-directed way. And then we meet again with them. Uh, we basically meet with them over video conference once a week. Um, and they can work through challenges and and uh, play basically code while playing games um, for other days of the week as they choose to. Um, and then so we just had the second class of that, or the second meeting of that, I should say, yesterday. Um, and so we had uh, when we when we sent out or our organization sent out the email blast. We had like sixty or so, I don't know, you know, parents or students basically express interest. And then um, in our first class, we had uh, I think it was about I think thirty one showed up. Um, so you know about. 50% of the people that said they were interested actually came to class, um, which is cool. Uh, and, you know, of course, there's always minor technical hiccups. Everybody's adjusting to um, distance-only learning, and everybody has to adjust really fast. Um, so that's going well. Um, you know, the one of the um, private schools, as I mentioned, some of the private schools are, are moving all of their classes online. So um, we've got a couple teachers that I'm supporting um, that teach at the, the private schools that are are using our Helmana platform. So basically our, our version three, the, the stuff we kind of had in, in alpha or beta, we're now, we're now using live um, and it's working. The, the teachers are liking the tool set. They're feeling like it's easy to use the, the students. Um, you know, I think the students right now are under a lot of pressure to learn a bunch of new distance learning tools too. <laughs> so, uh, but, but so far, so far, so good. Um, they're completing assignments. They're, um, you know, using, using the tools to ask questions, communicate with the teachers um, we're collecting feedback. So yeah, I mean, basically we've, we've been kind of working and working on Helmana for, for a few years and, and testing out each version year by year. And, but now suddenly everything is kind of in, it feels like everything's kind of in the spotlight, at least for, um, for Purple Maya is basically going online. Everybody is switching over to, to our, um, to this new tool, uh, that we've been, that have it kind of had in beta and now is live. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I th I think it's timely, and uh, obviously you've you've had some existing uh, activities as a recent that um, 
you know, that showcase the, the power of the, the potential power of the application, especially over time as it continues to scale. I would I would say that yeah I think we're all going through a little bit of a learning curve of you know while some organizations for example are very used to remote access or remote work um, but even you know but when it comes to distance learning or or any of that remote kind of activity where we're not physically in an office we're not physically interacting with uh, with an instructor there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Um, but in light of that, I think some of these uh, these recent events are really going to create some new opportunity for innovation of which, um, you know, Halmana could be on the forefront for, especially when with the uh, the local kids the uh, in the island community. I think as we start looking to try to wrap up, is there any kind of thoughts that either one of you have in mind based on the, uh, you know, what we've shared today around kind of the topics and talk tracks around culture, around uh, the technology, around volunteering um, that you'd like to share as, a, as an end note? You know, I think that there are some great opportunities, whether it's with, um, you know, Purple Maya or any other group. And, you know, for me, um, you know, it's just an important part of my life is to be able to give back in different ways. And so, you know, I encourage people to look around at what's out there. And even if they're not aware of it, they might be able to find something um, like a purple Maya that speaks to something that they're passionate about. So, you know, um, I don't spend a huge amount of time with it. I have a full-time job. So I, you know, do it around that. And I think, you know, any amount of time you give, I think is is definitely valuable. Um, you know, the the thing I I kind of think about that you know, the teachers talk about and the, and the founder talks about is, is this, you know, idea of, of experimentation, right? I mean, we're, our organization, um, I feel like our organization runs itself like, like a startup, right? You know, we're, our, the organization is still pretty young. I think the organization itself is only five years old. And so we're always trying out new, new tools or trying out new methods, but, um, you know, it's also important to think about alignment, right? Like, we have a we have a certain vision that we want to go towards. We have a certain mission we're we're pursuing, and our experimentation should kind of always be in service of that. Um, and so, I think our organization is is maybe more experimental maybe than than others. But um, I guess that's just maybe to be expected with with kind of a a tech startup sort of strand of our of our organization's DNA. <laughs> yep, and even that unto itself is something you're teaching. It, there's a huge lesson learned for the children. In terms of the, uh, you know, from a startup perspective, just the things like the ability to adapt, right, and innovate, and you know, and the intuitions to change, to change, and embrace change um, on the fly, right. Uh, so it's pretty amazing. With that being said, uh, you know, as a native Hawaiian myself, uh, I do want to say thank you to both David and, and Jennifer for all your work in helping you know my community. Uh, excel with the work that you've done. I certainly uh, find that incredibly valuable that you make the time to share what we call Ike or your knowledge uh, with these children uh, and and sincerely appreciate uh, all that you do. So with that being said, I do want to say thank you everyone for joining today's podcast session. Again, we will have links in our show notes um, to valuable resources as it relates to our uh, session and I want to thank everyone for their time. Aloha. Aloha. Yeah, thanks everyone. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com/podcasts.